Welcome everyone to the League Scenes look at round 9 of the NRL Telstra Premiership season. I'm AJ Luke Antonio, contributor of the League and Little website, the Front Row Program and Statistician with Stats Perform. Normally, I'd be joined by our co-host Reese Sullivan. However, this week, he is unavailable because 2SM have decided to have him work the night shift. So, we're going to go through all eight games. We're going to take a look at the lower grade recaps because there's a lot going on in the reserve grades this week. So we think it's important that we keep on covering it. And we'll also take a look at Supercoach before awarding our lol cow of the week. Now, because we don't want to feel like Reese is left out, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be including his thoughts remotely. Reese has finally sent in his production notes for us. And that way, we will be able to still hear from our man that loves the Broncos, especially on that game this week, let me tell you. So without further ado, we're going to kick off on Thursday night, and it was a resounding victory for the Cronulla Sharks down in the North Queensland Cowboys. 44 points to 6 in an absolute slaughter to kick off round 9 of the Telstra Premiership. Uh, we're going to go through the game first, and it started nice and early for the Sharks. They picked up an error on the Cowboys' first set in possession, and it didn't take long. We had Nico Hines go to the line, link up with C. Talakai, and that was the real indication that it was going to be a long night for the Cowboys because when you see a side get broken open so openly in the first attacking set of the game, that's where you know your fact, respectfully. Absolutely respectfully. I mean, Reese has gone a bit further and said the Sharks ripped him a new asshole. <laughs> uh, from there, uh, the game kind of settled for a little bit before... You had uh, kind of what's turned into a bit of a joke in the NRL in the last few weeks. Pressure on the kicker. It is becoming the uh, NRL's version of the roughing the passer crackdown in the NFL, where any light hit on the quarterback there sees a penalty or a flag, as they call it in the States. Here, we see a kicker jump up in the air after they release the football. Go to the ground and then bang. There's your penalty. I think it's a very dangerous position we're in. I thought we had it right last year. But I think this year it's gone a little over the top. And I want to say that in the right way. Because that can be taken out of context and said, Oh, you know, you could, you don't care about foul play. You don't care. When I do care, the problem is we've got to find that balance. And it's the same thing with the high tackle crackdown last year. Whenever we have something happen in the game, we just go straight to DEFCON 1. We don't have that release valve afterwards. We just go straight to the top of the food chain when it comes to cracking down. And I, and I think that's a bad avenue to have. That's just my opinion. I don't expect anyone to agree with me. But that's just the way I see it. So from there, Hines kicked the penalty goal. The Sharks quickly added a try through Jesse Ramey and afterwards, and they were nearly set for another one when Mortalo went away before Nico Hines unfortunately put it down. But from there, you had Sione Katoa score out wide. That was some really flimsy defense for the Cronulla Sharks opposition team there, the North Queensland Cowboys. And then we sort of had a mini resistance. Tom Dearden came up with some really nice plays. I think he's the shining light for how poor this Cowboys side have been this year. And he continues to have a go. He's always fighting. He's always 
willing to put his arm up and say, hey, boys, follow me. That is really good signs from a young player. He was easily their best on the park, as I just mentioned, and it's something that is a good thing for the Cowboys. You don't want to have no one stand out. You want to at least have someone in that position to stand out. From there, did and second line break set Kyle felt up for the Cowboys' sole try of the match, and it was 20-6 at halftime. So the Cowboys weren't out of it at this stage. And from there, I think the Mulatalo try straight after halftime killed any hope of a comeback. Then you had Nico Hines go over for a high shot, sorry, a penalty goal, following a high shot by Scott Drinkwater. And then Chad Townsend went off in the 49th minute. Tom Chester came in. Then Chester went off at full-time injured. So there's a lot of moving parts here. Next point of emphasis, Cohen Hess's trip. Now, tripping's a bad thing. It's a really, really bad penalty. And I personally think that there is a hesitancy in the game. Now more so than ever to send people off. And we had a couple of bad ones this weekend. Like, Brett Naden was one in particular, which probably should have been marched. But, so be he was just simbin. But I think at the moment, there's a real hesitancy amongst the officials to send. And heading into Magic Round, that's got me really worried that we could see another version of DEFCON 1 there. So, the Cowboys managed to hang in there for a majority of the Simbin period. He was Simbin at 54-27, and they conceded at the end of that period. They had two tries. Molotalo scored a gain out wide before Nico Hines crossed off a bomb he put up himself. And then we sort of had a lull period uh, marred by a Jeremiah Nene hip drop. Now, speaking of things that we should get right out of the game and send off, if we're looking to make... A tackle in the game and take it right out of it. A hip drops here. You start sending players off, not just simbin them, and you start hammering them further with charges. You're gonna get rid of it completely. You're gonna get rid of it. Just like the crusher tackle, they brought in a separate charge, and they were able to not necessarily get rid of it because we still see crusher tackles in the game, but we're able to get some form of control over it if that makes sense and i put out on twitter on thursday night after the game if the nrl is serious about getting the hip drop out of the game then harsher on-field action will do it that should have its own charge with its own specific weighted penalties nanai's one tonight is a clear example i think it's a problem in the game at the moment uh on to reese's thoughts now and, of course, Reese's Forts are brought to you by the League Scene Podcast, number one source of all things footy. Uh, he says, uh, Shark tripped him a new arsehole. Both sides completed well, but the cows were worse in basic every aspect of the game. Any debate about the Hines v. Luai origin debate should be put to bed. I agree with that. Nico Hines is outstanding. Just on Nico Hines, I want to really say... There is not a nicer bloke in the game at the moment than Nico. Because he was given the Paul Green medal because both sides had a strong relationship with Paul Green. And he gave the medal to Paul Green's son and also the jersey on his back that night. That is amazing to hear from Nico. 
We've got to do everything in our power to protect this man because he is a living treasure. A living treasure. And he should be in the six for New South Wales too. Reese also went on to say, well, Kennedy's influence in the team cannot be overstated despite a quiet night by his standards. He says, Wayne Graham is so painfully the odd one out in that forward pack. And I tend to agree there too. Although he probably will get a reprieve with Brandon Hamlin Welly's MCL injury following that nasty attack by Jeremiah Nene. Uh, the Cowboys getting the Todd did in Brisbane got for two and a half years and I don't miss it. <laughs> to that point, I disagree. To that point, I really disagree for the reasons I mentioned. He says, Jeremiah Nene is becoming a massive liability. Fair point. He's suspended again. Uh, bench rotation still stupid. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, indeed, my friend. And it was a resounding victory for the Sharks, who take on the Dolphins in the Battle of the Aquatic Animals at Magic Round in the middle slate of games on your Super Saturday, while the Cowboys take on the Roosters in the middle of the triple slate of matches on Super Sunday. And, of course, Magic Round is going to be an exciting week in Brisbane. Hopefully, Suncorp, uh, the surface is a good one because if it isn't and players get hurt, you're never going to hear the end about it from coaches. You're never going to hear the end of it. Just something to point out as we head into Magic Round, ladies and gents. Looking at the ladder for the two sides, the Sharks are in second position while the Cowboys are in 16th. Uh, moving on, Paramount 43 defeating Newcastle 12. This is what I was warning about, Newcastle, and you all thought, oh, we're going to be competitive. We're going to not give up during the season. That lasted nine weeks. That lasted nine weeks. It actually, it lasted eight, it lasted barely eight weeks because you dropped the ball for third tackle of the game. And that was the clear indication on how the rest of the night was going. It was going to be a long, painful night for your team. It was going to be a disaster. From there, Dylan Brown scores in the ensuing set, and you're already down 6-0. To your credit, you're able to get up field, get a couple of set restarts, and I thought maybe I was going to be wrong. A nice little grubber kick from Jackson Hastings was joy on the spot for Matt Croker to pick up the bounce and redeem his earlier miscue. However, you gave up a set restart through Kurt Mann and allowed Mitchell Lasers to go through for 12-6. More errors and ill-disciplined football saw again the cow, sorry, the Eels march up field. Clint Gubberson barged over from dummy half. It was 18-6. And you thought that was going to be it. But unfortunately, you managed to leak down that left edge again. Caelan Ponga defensively was woeful. Absolutely atrocious. He missed how many tackles? Was it eight missed tackles, two ineffective for a tackle efficiency of 56.52%. Now I read something interesting from NRL Physio in regards to KP about um, hesitancy post concussion, and I think it's a very good point that KP's gone under had a horrific concussion history, and it's going to take there might be a bit of hesitancy there, and something that we'll have to keep our eyes on there for the Newcastle Knights in the coming weeks. Uh, he went on to say, where was it? I remember him writing something about Caelan Ponga. Might be wrong, but I, I, I remember it vividly. So, um, 
This is where I like to have Reese talk over me whilst I'm going through it because I remember him mentioning it this week about potential hesitancy post-concussion. It might have been on Instagram. I'm happy to be wrong there too. So you do could see that try down the left. Gufferson sneaks out of dummy half and scores. However, it wasn't over yet because new, uh, Dylan Brown went right through, linked up with Sean Russell, and it was 30-6 to 6 at half time. Adam O'Brien was in damage control. Uh, and thanks to Fox Sports, we all thought Kurt Mann was hooked for half an hour. Until Jake Duke finally decided, hey, I'm actually going to ask a question here before speculating about being hooked. And I only say that because Triple M reportedly said that he had an abductor strain almost straight away. So that's my only criticism there of Jake Duke. So from there, second half kicked off and it was the same show again. Mitchell Moses tearing that edge apart, having Kalen Ponga staring at Finnair, linking back up with Clint Gufferson for his first NRL career hat-trick. And he is turning into a star ever since Parramatta came out a couple of weeks ago saying they wanted a bit of X-Factor in their team. He is making a world of difference in this Parramatta side at the moment, a hat-trick. 192 running meters, only 16 of those from kick returns, two line breaks, nine tackle breaks, an offload, 53 touches of the football. What more can you ask for from the man? Some people, and I've said it on this program before, like to call Nafo Gaffo. So from there, it was a bit of a lull period. We had about how many minutes of no scoring? We had about 15 minutes of no scoring before Dominic Young decided to turn an error into points and we're at 36 to 12. However, again, another period of lull football before Junior Palo was on the end of a lovely offload from Jermaine Hopgood back in the starting side, needing to lift without Regan Campbell-Gillard, and Barlow scored to make it 42-12. to Mitchie Moe added the disrespectful field goal, and it was 43 points to 12. So looking at Jermaine Hopgood, a lot of people have been marked in for potential Queensland berth. Uh, playing, how many minutes did Jermaine play? He played 74 minutes, wow. 20 carries, 172 meters, 63 post contact, uh, potable speed of 2.81 seconds. Uh, yep, 22 touches of the ball, 45 tackles, only the two misses, and one set restart against. Solid stint there for Jermaine. Uh, Dylan Brown, Mitch Moses were great. I really thought Wimmera Grigg stood up. Uh, Makahisi Makatoa stood up. Uh, Offahiggy Ogden stood up off the bench. He was huge. Uh, for the Newcastle Knights, rarely a standout player. The only one you could say had a good game was Marju. Ran for 206 metres. That was it. KP, I think... I don't know whether they shift him back to fullback straight away. Whether they try and put it down to one bad game. See if Adam O'Brien... See what they do there. It'll be very interesting. To see what they do there with the man himself. Uh, Reese wants to add the following. Eels capitalise on every Knights mistake, bringing back memories of 2022. Knights defence has more holes in it than an average World War One soldier. Gaffo is the X-Factor of this team. Forwards, uh, Brown was back at his best. That allowed Moses to be elite. Uh, Hopgood was great. He fought. Makahisi Makatoa stood up as well. O'Brien starting to see why KP lasted four games at 5-8 the first time. 
That and he had the handbrake known as Nathan Brown coaching him. Merely disappointed for the Newcastle Knights. Like, really, really disappointing. Don't know where they go from here, to be honest. It's a soul-crushing loss. They need to look at what Canberra did. Following 53-12, to they've won... Even though they've had a much easier draw since then. They've won three on the trot. They were able to bounce back. They've got to take a leaf out of their book. They're on the bye next week. They're not at Magic Crown. They've got a big turnaround before their next match on the 14th of May against the Titans. That's winnable. That's 100% a winnable game. Against a Titans side that's known to be a bit hot and cold. It's a winnable game. And meanwhile, for the Eels, they have got the Titans in the last game of Magic Round. Uh, Reese has actually left a lot of notes here. Souths 32, Brisbane 6. Campbell Graham for Origin. As much as it pains me to say it, you got to play him at this point, Freddie. And if you don't play him, you should throw in your resignation as Origin coach. Whew, he's good. He's bloody good. Uh, Cam Murray was Simbin after four minutes before a professional foul. Uh, Adam Reynolds knocked over a penalty goal, but Saxony came out of the Simbin period the better side. A clever grubber kick from Lockie Ilias set up inch perfect for Campbell Graham, and Souths got out to a 6-2 lead, but it wasn't their lead for long. Another one of those soft pressure on the kicker penalties we've seen this weekend was picked up on field by the referee. Jesse Arthur scored, and Brisbane were out tying the match at 6-0. When Cam Murray came back... The game turned in South's favour. Uh, a lot of ill-disciplined football from Brisbane. They conceded, I think, three penalties in the space of five minutes. It was really poor stuff. And then from there, it was just way too much defending. Campbell Graham crossed right before halftime, and they were in a lot of trouble. From there, to start the second half, Campbell, uh, they went kicked out towards Herbie Farmworth's wing. He put it down. Uh, Lachon Mitchell, jolly on the spot with his kangaroo ears in tow to put him out to an 18-6 lead. Uh, Farnworth, uh, continued an unhappy night for him. He got put in the sim bin for tripping. Uh, a lot of people criticise this one because, the, we went, of course, as has been a common theme this year in the Telstra Premiership, we went back plays to determine a sim bin. This one I can agree with more than the other ones because... Excuse me. The play happened was only the previous play. It wasn't two to three plays ago. Uh, we listened to the ref audio. The touch judge picked it up live. I do not have a problem with that whatsoever. And got to give a lot of uh, credit to White Raymond here. He did really well picking up that ID live. Of course, he was the same bloke who we ripped on a couple of weeks ago for his ID on the Daily Cherry Evans Justin Oldham incident. So he did very, very well. He did very well there, White Raymond. So from there, uh, we had... Uh, they actually held on for a long period, but again, Campbell Graham picking up his third try of the night. Again, solidifying a potential New South Wales spot. He's looking better and better, isn't he? And then you had the interchange debacle. Well, well, well. How hard is it? as an NRL team, to sit there and count to 13. How hard is it for Mark Ellison and the football manager of South Sydney to go, 
Oh, we got an extra player on the field because we don't know how to do our interchanges. His nickname was Rhino, I'm told, at Maris Brothers Pagewood when he was teaching. So, yeah, bit of a Rhino moment for um, Marky Mark. They're going to get a five-figure fine from the NRL. Reese was very much hoping that they lost their competition points. I was kind of hoping so too. It would have made my bloody day if they did lose their competition points. But oh well. But oh well. It won't happen yet. The last time I think a team lost points was 2009. And that was the Bulldogs that ended up costing them the minor premiership. So... Be interesting to see what comes out of NRL HQ in the coming days in regards to that incident. So from there, uh, it was a really quiet period. Cody Walker picked up a try, and then Latrell Mitchell sealed the game in the back end. Uh, looking at some of the numbers for the South Sydney side, Cam Murray, 42 tackles to beat a total of 192 metres. Uh, Alex Johnson, two line breaks. Campbell Graham, uh, a hat-trick, as we mentioned. Latrell Mitchell... Picking up 16 points, two tries, and four conversions with the boot. Uh, Tom Burgess, immense off the bench, 188 metres, 95 post contacts. Arrow was huge, Totola even bigger. Uh, it was a really important test for me looking at this South Sydney pack. Broncos were obviously without Payne Haas, but a really important litmus test for uh, Tommy Flegler, for some of those other guys there. And I think that it's really important. To see how that goes at the moment. And we'll see how it fares in the long run. Because it's going to be an intriguing one. Reese has already flagged problems with the Broncos pack. And then defensively for South Sydney. Murray was huge. Cook was huge. Even though he missed six tackles. Sele um, was big as well. They didn't have to do a lot of defending, but the defending they did do was all right. Uh, for the Broncos, um, he said Carrigan was their best by a long way. Uh, defensively, he's disappointed in Jordan Ricky. Seven misses. I understand why. The Jordan Ricky redemption tour has come to a grinding halt. Excuse me if you heard that one. At home. But, yeah, very... Very disappointing from the Broncos. So let's hear from the man that loves the Broncos so much. Reese Boy. So, let's have a look at his comments. He has said on this game, getting, lo getting lost, but it's what happens when you play like 40 minutes, play only 40 minutes against a team like that. Carrigan and Flegler, massive disappointments and they need to step up. In a game, they needed to step up. 11 errors when we we're already missing two key places of the attack is not good enough. Scoreline fighters house, but they still deserve the win. Hope the points are stripped. <laughs> oh my god, Reesey boy. I get you're upset you lost, but Jesus. <laughs> oh my god. He is an unhappy boy. A very unhappy boy. Uh, they take on the Manly Warringah side at Magic Round. Manly, sorry, Souths take on Melbourne 
in the nightcap of Magic Round. I don't know what I'd rather watch. A South Sydney game or the King getting coronated. It's an interesting choice. I mean, I love football. But this is a moment in history. It's a moment in history. Moran Pappenhausen isn't even playing. <laughs> it's a moment in history, lads. So, moving on to Super Saturday. Super Saturday kicked off in McDonald's Park at Wagga Wagga, where the Raiders 31 defeated the Dolphins 30. And, safe to say, fans were well and truly down during the first 22 minutes of this fixture. Because they conceded the live wreck on the first set of the game, a shift to the left-hand side, where Jack White, in the headlines all week, picked up a dub and crossed out in the left corner for the first points of the match, Jared Croker, seeing a career renaissance. Let me tell you, he is doing a very good job out there. In the left center role this season. Uh, then, off the next set, the Dolphins didn't touch the ball for the first, like, 10 minutes of this game. And from there, they had to force the ball Dead off a line dropout, they went again, and you saw Jackie Whiting take it to the line and cross for the second try of the game. And it was 10 0 before Dolphins even touched the football. They got some field position down the upper end, but they went too quickly. I thought they went short to Katoa, Lemmy Lelu dropped the ball, and then worked their way back into the game. They picked up a penalty. Because Jesse Bromwich was in front of the kicker on the line dropout. And it went to 12-0. From there, Hamasota Buafido made a boo-boo near the sideline. Jordan Rapiner scored. And it was a bit like deja vu, wasn't it? You, they were already down 18-0. And it was a really uphill battle for the Finns in the most part. Though, however, they were able to work their way back into the game. You and Aiken crossing. And they were able to get another quick one too. Asako was away down the right-hand side. He linked up with Tabuai Vito. And the Hammer made it 18 points to 12. However, the Dolphins were their own worst enemy. They made a mistake in one of the set's following points. And Seb Chris sprinted 50 metres away from a scrum. It was 22 to 12 at the break. Straight after half-time, Ray Stone uh, spear tackled a bloke. I'm uh, not too sure who spear tackled from memory. I was on my way to work during this part, watching the game on KO, on one of those crowded replacement buses for trains. And it was 24-12. When I finally sat down at the bus, Lemu Lelu went through and made it 24-18. And then it was 24-all. And then <laughs> uh, Fogarty put up a bomb. Robert Jennings spilled his lollies. And Jamal Fogarty made it 38 points, sorry, 30 to 24. And all of a sudden you thought, are the Dolphins home? Are they going to, do they have anything left in the tank? Can they get it done? And um, luckily they were. Um, Jesse Bromwich went through with just under nine to play. And it was 30 all. And then we went under a field goal shootout. Fogarty missed to the right of the posts. And it was a missed opportunity. So we were into NRL history. The first golden point game for the Finns. And then Ray Stone knocked it on in the 82nd minute. Ray. Ray, Ray, Ray. 
Made a bit of sense. He went off with a HIA about 20 seconds later. However, Jamal Fogarty knocked over the game-winning field goal, and the Raiders escaped narrowly with the victory in Wagga Wagga. Only their second win out of the four games that they've played at Wagga Wagga 2. Uh, looking across the board, Sam Chris was huge, just three metres shy of 250. Tim O'Connor was also huge. Josh Papali'i, what a game from him. 18 carries, 208 metres, 103 of them off kick returns, 81 post-contact. Joey Tarpanay, even better post-contact. He was immense through the middle third. Hudson Young, also good. Uh, their bench didn't have the same oomph as previous weeks. Oh, I thought uh, all running sub-100 metres. Uh, that's where the Dolphins really got them through that middle period. Uh, speaking of the Finns, Marshall King made 56 tackles. Six misses, though, and four tackles ineffective. Uh, elsewhere, Nikarima went got through a mountain of work, as did Lemilelu, who's looking very good on that edge for the Finns. Running meter-wise, Lemilelu was the pick of the bunch. Bromwich Brothers were okay. They weren't spectacular. Uh, SASA was good, too. And then, who else I think played all right? Uh, Hamaso needs to do more for me. Only 15 runs, 101 meters. He's too focused on trying to be a passing half. He had the almost the second most touches of the whole spine. He had 33 touches of the football. He had 33 receipts, as we call them. So we need to see Hammer really start to develop that running game a little bit more and get into himself into open play. That's where Hammer's most effective. That's where I see Tabuai Fado long-term shining for me. Uh, looking at the uh, Reese's notes quickly, uh, he says we were nearly back to the faders of old. <laughs> Dolphins had the Raiders right where they wanted with an 18-0 lead but couldn't capitalise. To have 58% possession in a golden point to win is a war crime. Papa Lee is making me eat my words. Fair point, my friend. Fair bloody point. Moving on to the second matchup of your Super Saturday, and it was the Gold Coast Titans picking up an upset victory over the Manly Warringah side there at Pines Park. The scoreline in that game was 26 points to 10. And boy, oh boy, it was an interesting sort of game. A bit of a slugfest to open up. It was a very stop-start through the opening quarter hour of the game. Uh, it took a Kieran for a holding down penalty to put Manly up 2-0. Their attack looked very clunky for the most part. They had a lot of they had an awful lot of field position down the other end of the park, and they were just unable to capitalize. They were just really unable to capitalize. And they only had the two points. KO Weeks made a number of mistakes in the red zone as well. And they just weren't able to capitalize. Tui Pilotu had that line break down the left-hand side. And I think that's where they're just lacking at the moment without Turbo and Joshy Schuster. So that's where I see it for Manly. And that's where they capitalised. It was kind of like a 12-point turnaround. You had the two Pilotu 
knock over the line. And then you had uh, Olofiana Khan Pereira. He is a speed demon. We say it every week on this show. But Khan Pereira is a freak of nature down the left-hand side. He's just got so much speed. It's just amazing. Uh, from there, Manly again had opportunity, but a crusher tackle seemed to turn the tide and the momentum in the game for this Manly side. They just lost all confidence after this. Toff Sipley uh, committed the crusher tackle offence. He went straight to the Symbian, dispatched by referee Benny Cummins. And from there, the Times were able to build some momentum because you had the Symbian, Jason Saab tried to knock down a pass, and that didn't work out. And David Fafita reached out to score. And he is looking a lot better than last year, David Fafita. The Titans are in more games this year. And you can see a difference it makes with David Fafita. We're just going to go through some of his season averages real quick. Because if, in my opinion, if he's fit, he's got to be in the Queensland side. Uh, three line breaks, four line break assists, 13 offloads. He's averaging 170 metres a game. Uh, had two try assists in the loss against the Cowboys. Try assist here. He even put up a bomb too. That just shows you the unit on the man. He is an absolute freak of nature. So, where does it leave Fafita in the long run? After Fafita's a really good player. And I think he's been a touch unlucky in the past. With some of the criticism, I thought he was made very much a scapegoat for the way that the Titans collapsed last season and wasn't really fair on him there was a lot more problems in that side than David Fafita and I think that people needed to be made aware of that uh from there was that making it sick no so Manly made a couple of errors in the aftermath of half time when Sipley returned and this led Alofi Ghana Khan Pereira to pick up his second try again a lovely turn of speed he is a really good talent kid, potentially a state of origin player in a number of years' time. I'm not saying yet, but he's got a lot of speed on his side. And I think that with the right tools and the right development, he gets there. Uh, it wasn't all good news for the Titans. Right on halftime, AJ Brimson hurt his hamstring. But luckily, that's why you got J.D. Campbell on the bench. Because AJ Brimson breaks down. Every few weeks. So, after the break, it took a little bit of time for the Titans attack to get back into shape. This was good for Manly because it allowed Sean Kepi to charge over after a 40-20 kick from DCE. So, that's good. I'm really liking the impact Sean Kepi brings. And no, I'm not just saying that because he's in my supercoach team and I didn't play him and I played Darby Mawali ahead of him. <sighs> Mistakes we make in supercoach, kids. Mistakes we make in Supercoach. <laughs> I, I am guilty of making some horrible sit v start choices this year. That might be my worst. By a country mile. By a country mile. <laughs> oh, I do like Joe Money's break even next week. So. Back onto the game. Kepi picked up a great try. That got him to 
That got the score back, sorry, to 16-8, and all of a sudden the game was in the balance. However, the Titans, we thought the Titans would collapse, like we've seen many times before this season. And you got a feeling that even though they were conceding penalties, they were making stupid mistakes, that it wasn't going to happen. It wasn't flick-switch moment where all of a sudden all the momentum would swing back to Manly. It just wouldn't happen. You had the inconclusive challenge. Again, another moment where Justin Holbrook completely lost his marbles in the box. And it led to Garrett getting it back to a converted try, and you're thinking, hang on, this could be it. And then, luckily, you were able to see in the contest, force that goal line dropout through Tanner Boy, and then another great kick from Boyd set up Philip Sami, who leaped so high into the air and picked up a great try to get it out to 20-10. to 10. Boyd knocked over a penalty goal to make you feel a little bit comfortable. And then off the ensuing couple of sets, Jaden Campbell pokes his nose through. He linked up with young Khaleesi Haas. And Haas went over to score his first NRL try. And that was essentially the game. Manly looked flat. And... I don't know... I know Tom Trebojevic does a lot for this attack for Manly. But do you look that flat when one person leaves? It just seems criminal that a side can go from looking somewhat competent to that shit in the space of seven days. And they weren't that great against the Tigers, mind you. They could have easily got beat with Turbo and Schuster. But I think at the moment, it's serious red flags. And the problems are only growing for Manly tonight because in alarming news, uh, Manly are bracing for a West Tigers raid after their longtime recruitment manager, Scott Fulton, joins the Manly joins the West Tigers effective immediately. The Tigers have already began inquiring about the future of Josh Schuster However, question, um, Schuster is contracted to the end of 2024. The question marks arose over his future this week following comments from DCE. He said, DCE said this week, I've been playing long enough to see so many people at this club not maximize their opportunity. This is rugby league, mate. If you're not willing to work hard enough, you're not willing to sacrifice, you just don't last long. He's at a crossroads early in his career, but it could be a real positive. This doesn't have to be a def- negative for him. Spending some time away to get his body right could be a defining moment where he takes off to that level we all know he can. Very, very interesting. Very interesting to see how this all plays out for Manly, let me tell you. It's going to be a very interesting period now for this single side. How they do it. For the Titans, though, they looked good. Like, I mean, AJ Brimson out of the side hurts, but... I think Jaden Campbell at the back was a real positive. I think their rotations were okay. I really liked the look of Khaleesi Haas in the limited minutes we saw from him. Joe Vuna too was great. Tino and Mo Fodawaka were outstanding. They were huge, huge additions to this side for mine. And Mo Fodawaka in particular was absolutely massive. Uh, Reese's points on the game very, very quickly. He says this. Man without turbo is like a kid without sheep. Absolutely no action. When Ethan Bullimore is your best forward, you need some serious soul searching. And no, Kyle Flanagan does not fix this team. 
That implies with the rumour in the News Corp tabloids that Flanagan is going to get an effective immediate release to join the club. That'll be an interesting one. Uh, Fodder Waker should be a shoo-in for the Queensland side. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Elsewhere, now we're going to go to Carrington Park in Bathurst, where the West Tigers, yes, the West Tigers, 12, have defeated the Penrith Panthers, 8. No, I am not reading a fake doctored script. This actually happened. This is like one of the scenes in Remember the Titans when they were just like expected to lose and the Pampers were all high and mighty. How the high and mighty have fallen. But I think we've discovered the Penrith Panthers kryptonite. They just simply can't play in the rain. So next, so whenever you're playing the Panthers, get a bit of grease, slip it over the football, get a bit of grease, slip it over the turf, and that's how you win against Penrith. Get some, get a shower head over the top of the stadium, and you'll be sweet. That's how you win. All jokes aside, wanted to game quickly. Uh, Luke Brooks is outstanding. No, that is not a Typo, Luke Brooks was superb. 40-20 in the first set of the game. They built momentum. They played smart football. A clever grubber kick from Luke Brooks sat up perfectly in the in goal for Brandon Wakeham. And all of a sudden, you have an early 6-0 lead. However, the Tigers of old came back for a period. You can see the two quick penalties. Uh, Luai put in a great kick into the end zone. Uh, the red zone, sorry. Which allowed uh, Peach, Tyrone Peachy, to scoop up and score. Great to see him back in Penrith Colours. But that was all the joy they got out of Tyrone Peach in this game, which before we will discuss a little later. From there, Brett Nader decided to nearly take out and kill Zach Hosking. Uh, he's punished when he was dispatched to the Simbim. That was a really bad one. And as I was saying before about a hesitancy to send players off, this is one where I think the referee should have sent. That's just my opinion, but that's what I think that they should be doing. Uh, they From there, the rest of the first half was pretty much a bludger until Joel Hangout for in, penalty for inside the 10 set up an 8-6 advantage. From there, though, a lot of the game was played down the West Tigers end. Just, the execution was really lacking. Uh, however, they went to the Sheds at 8 all at half time because Brandon Wake had knocked over a penalty goal after Jerome Lua was caught offside inside the 10. Like, looking at the stats from this game... The big one for me is the completion rate. The Panthers completed at 78%. They ran for less meters. They had 45% of the footy. And you just expect the Panthers to always maximize their possession, especially in the red zone. Like, we know how dominant they have been for so long. And they just didn't do that for me. And they also missed 39 tackles. They made 11 errors. They conceded six penalties, two set restarts, and two uh, inside tens. Set restarts throughout the whole game. And they were just generally poor. To start the second half, Luke Brooks landed another 40-20. He was easily the best on ground, as I mentioned before. From there, they shifted the ball wide. And David Nofaluma crossed out wide for a 12-8 margin. From there, though, Nathan Cleary busted them open. And he just assumed he was going to score. But Jareem Buller had other plans. Isn't this guy just... Un 
unbelievable to watch Jareem Buller. Like, he is absolutely insane. In a good way. Like, that is an amazing tackle on one of the game's great players in Nathan Cleary. And that is one of the plays of the season for the West Tigers so far. Uh, from there, the game turned into a bit of a bludger. I can't lie. Penrith's attack was abysmal in the red zone and the conditions. And then you have the moment of the, uh, the second half with Sonny Luke's hip drop. Ivan Cleary's already had his whinge about it. He says he doesn't understand what NRL head office wants uh, players to do. I'll just see if I can grab the, the quote. Excuse me quickly. Uh, he said... Where is it? He said this. He was bristled after Sonny Luke simbining. He uh, took aim at NRL bosses, saying, I've seen a few like that now, and the only way to avoid is to let go. How do you tell a footballer to let go? That's my question. Easy. You don't lose your legs. You slide down the body and you wrap the legs. It is not hard. It is not hard. It is frustrating to watch the excuses that the coaches are making for these type of tackles. However, that didn't stop the Pampers. They were nearly able to score again because until Tyrone Peachy turned into a low cow. However, the Panthers picked up their second straight loss, the first time they have back-to-back losses since 2021. Uh, star player for them, Dylan Edwards, was great at the back. He was awesome. Luai needs to run the football a lot more for mine. They need to sort out their dummy half plan. Allowing Sonny Luke to run the ball once is criminal behavior, Penrith. It is criminal. Uh, Scott Sorensen was okay. I thought Liam Henry was good off the bench, but he needs to run the football a little bit more. As well. Moving on to Reese's thoughts on that game between those two competition sides, real quickly. He goes on to say this <laughs> That is him. Probably the worst game Pedro play with both Ivan Cleary as coach in his two stints. Tigers had to be at their best to have any chance, and they absolutely were. Genius at work to have them playing so methodical like that. Luke Brooks deserves a new five-year deal if he can keep playing like that. Key word there, if. Buller is the best Tigers fullback since Bresh Hodgson, and yes, I said that on purpose. <laughs> we will see, my friend. We will see. Uh, Sunday football now, and it kicked off with the Roosters 14 defeating the Warriors nil. First and foremost, thank you to Warriors NRL Fanatics for having me on his YouTube page this week for previewing the game. Also, big thanks to everyone who got to see my big mug on YouTube for five minutes. And no, I will not gloat because he's a really good guy. He's really well-mannered, and I recommend you check out Warriors NRL Fanatics. He's a good guy. They'll have our friends, the Big Cat Chat podcast, on this week to preview the matchup between the Warriors and Panthers. That turns into a big game at Magic Crown now. Who would have thought that at the start of the season? However, I'm just going to be really honest here in about five minutes about the way the Roosters play. I thought we were okay. Not great, not spectacular, but we weren't shit this week. We made a lot of mistakes, yes. However, 
We were doing that in good ball territory. There wasn't any silly mistakes, which was our fear in the wet conditions. Defensively, there were signs of a Bondi wall returning. And that is amazing. Like, we made 36 extra tackles. We only missed two more, which I thought was great. Uh, we did allow uh, one too many offloads. We uh, allowed oh, seven each between the two sides. But a couple of them were really late. We should have wrapped up the football. No excuses on that end from me. However, there are some good signs for me. I am really liking the forward rotation as it is at the moment. Um, having Brandon Smith come off and letting Victor Radley come in at nine was really good. Uh, that ball playing for Nat Butcher's try in the first half was great. Uh, Fort Lindsay Collins too, really big in the forwards. Eager Butcher was good as well. In that forward rotation, Lodge again outstanding. I uh, really like Satili as a front roller in the middle. And I kind of flagged this last week on the show, talking about the way our Roosters pack sort of continues in these next couple of weeks while we're getting some troops back. But I think next week, because Jared's meant to be coming back from his niggles, we'll probably start Jared and Lindsay next week. Cheese will be the hooker pending the concussion protocols. And then we'll have uh, Egan, Gus, or sorry, Nat, Gus, Victor as that back row. And then you could sort of use Egan and Satili through the middle. And that's where I think Satili plays his best football. I think he plays that best through the middle. But you can easily swap out Butch and Tupanura as far as who you want to start on edge. That is really up to Robbo for what he wants to do there. And I think whichever way he goes, it'll be a benefit for the Sydney Roosters side. Uh, Corey Allen had a good game, I thought. Had to do a lot of work coming out of yardage. He was outstanding. Uh, I backed Paul Momorowski a lot last year. I thought he was okay defensively. He missed four tackles, but none of them led to a try. So I can live with it. He was very good when he needed to. He did need to make a couple of carries, but came off. We have 20 minutes to go because of a shoulder injury. Roosters officials um, are suspecting the worst there. Poor bastard. I feel sorry for Mamas there. It's looking, it was looking good today too. That's what hurts when we have injuries at the Roosters. Like, you can finally see players that are a bit maligned play well, and then, bang, injury. Happens every time. Happened with Billy Smith. Now it happens with Mamas. Uh, so he was great. He was involved on the ball a lot more. He only had the 16 carries, but still involved. Uh, Tedesco, second dominant half. I need to see more from Manu, if that's going to be the ratio every week. Uh, did make 93% of his tackles, though, which is very, very impressive. Uh, only the two misses there. Did kick the ball a lot more. Did have a forced dropout, so I can live with that. Uh, Luke Keary, I'm happy with. He kicked the 40-20. Just need to be a little bit more vocal in the attacking phase with Teddy, as that dominant half should be doing. Uh, that's my only thought there. And everywhere else I'm kind of happy with. Jackson was good and on the wing, carrying the football out of yardage too. Top runner again this week, like most weeks this season. He's doing really, really well. Uh, for the Waz, for the Warriors, you guys are outstanding today. I can't lie. Uh, you gave us a big test, a tough test with a lot of players out in the pack. Uh, Fanua Blake, outstanding. The Akure nearly killed us in the middle of the park. Uh, Tom Arley, 128 metres. Uh, Dimitri Sifakula was good on his debut as well. 
So we really made a point of emphasis to kick to corners, try to limit the amount of work guys like Kossi and Montoya do. And we did that really well. Montoya's been killing it this season as far as metres averaged is concerned in this Telstra Premiership. He's averaging 157 metres a game. And we were, we had him down for just under that. He ran for less metres than he did in the round one, uh, the first round clash between the two sides in round two. So that's, again, really exciting to see that the Roosters' defence, the Bondi Wars, I like to call it, is coming back. Uh, Reese says, I'm not going to talk about the Roosters because one, AJ Luke Antonio exists. Thank you, Reese. You're finally starting to see that my opinions about the Roosters are the be-all and end-all. <laughs> and you will never win an argument about the Roosters with me. Because I'll have Roosters Twitter come at you a lot faster than Broncos Twitter. I'll have Harks ready to wipe the playground with you. On the Warriors, he says, Warriors outgunned by a team that was healthier than them. When you're playing DWZ at fullback in the year of our Lord 2023, you won't win many football games. SJ went back to 2022 for some weird reason, and the Roosters simply exploited the opportunities they had. Brandon Smith is looking like a true 9, AJ. See, I told you it would work out, and don't panic. <sighs> Reesey boy, my name is not Adam Huxtable. I believe in the cheese. Uh, final game of round 9, Canterbury 18 defeating the Dragons 16. Now, first and foremost, I'll confess quickly that I only watched about 20 minutes of this game as well as the mini because I was doing the post-game review for the Roosters Warriors. From what I did see, uh, the, the, the Bulldogs played well. Like, they have a lot of guys out at the moment and they continue, they're willing to fight for one another. From the brief snippets I saw of Oluwapu, he looked really good in his 48 minutes. Uh, looked like he ran the ball with intent at 25 touches of the football. He was huge in this game. Uh, Pangai Jr., awesome. Uh, Fatala Mariner was awesome as well. Uh, who else played good? Braden Burns, Avarillo. Avarillo is turning into some player, isn't he? He is an absolute stud at the moment. Um, Grant Atkins. I love, I love a referee that gets, that gets angry at players. Josh Reynolds was penalised for flopping on Toriel Sloan. And as the siren blew, he asked Atkins, Why did I do? Atkins said, I thought you got him on the back of the head on the way down. Reynolds then, uh, grinded his axe. Bullshit, I hit him in the back of the head. And then Grant Atkins is just like, no, I'm not having anything. He was just like, I beg your buddy pardon. And the look on his face. The look on his face. <laughs> that was gold. I want, to screen, I want to screen cap it and put it on our page. Like, it is an awesome, like an angry tone of Grant Atkins. <laughs> But in all honesty, you cannot talk to a referee like that. Uh, meanwhile, for the Dragons, good bounce-back game for Toby Kiatron. He was feeling a bit down in the doldrums this week after dropping the ball, which sent through a massive hole that would have given the Dragons an opportunity to tie a field goal or a potential game-winning try. Uh, elsewhere, uh, Jack Bird was okay. Uh, 
Blake Laurie was good. Uh, the name redacted, sorry, Jack DeBellin, he played somewhat okay. Uh, ran through a mound of work, made 43 tackles. He was pretty good in this game. Ben Hunt, mixed bag for him. Uh, the one try assist, uh, got through his tackles, did majority of the kicking, didn't force a dropout though with the attacking kicks that he did have. So, again, a little bit of a red flag, plus two errors and a penalty. So, you kind of see the trend when Ben Hunt isn't playing well, the Dragons don't play well. And it's not fair to throw all the problems on Benny. But at the same time, that's where the Dragons' attack starts and finishes. And when Terrell Sloan has a bit of a quieter game, like he did today, he ran for less than 100 metres as a fullback on kick returns, that's a bit of a problem for me. Terrell Sloan needed to inject himself more in the attacking phase. He needed to run the football more. And it was really disappointing to see, in my opinion, in that game. On to Mr. Sullivan and Reese has said this. Uh, gutsy by the dogs, but that's how they have to be of enough injuries to make a World War One soldier have empathy. What is before the World War One references, mate? Dragons probably the better team, but lack the execution, which is a theme this season. As I said, Sloan is either hit or miss, and when it's a miss, the whole team is dragged down with him. Oluwapu, solid but not spectacular. Declan Casey wins shit shop of the round. <laughs> not wrong, my friend. It was woeful. Uh, looking at the ladder at the conclusion of round nine, of the Telstra Premiership. Uh, Brisbane are somehow still on top of the ladder on 14 competition points. Looking at the rest of the table, Cronulla, South, Melbourne and the Roosters are all on 12 points. Points Manly, Penrith, Warriors round out the 8. Also on 10 points, you have the Titans, the Dolphins and the Raiders all there with them. The Bulldogs and the Eels on 8 points. The Knights on 7 points. The Dragons in North Queensland on 6 points. The West Tigers are on 4 points. The team on the bye this week was the Melbourne Storm. So that is that. Looking at Magic Round next week, there are some exciting matchups. First up, we have the Bulldogs taking on the Raiders at 6pm. Then we have Manly and the Broncos at 8.05pm. The Saturday Triple Header Warriors, Panthers, and the Sharks and Dolphins. Storm are taking on the Rabbitohs. Uh, the kickoff magic round, we're going to have another tank bowl. The West Tigers and the Dragons, followed by the Roosters and Cowboys. Then it's the Titans taking on the Eels to round out what will be a magic weekend. Looking at the lower grades now, the knock-on effect New South Wales Cup. Uh, Raiders 22, Rabbitohs 16, Eels 44, Knights 10. Bears 29, Jets 28. The Jets had a 22-6 lead and they blew it. A bit of an upset. Magpies 28, Panthers 8. Uh, Warriors 34, Roosters 22. Sam Walker with three try assists. Uh, let down by the rest of his backs. Nafahu White having a good game there too. Uh, Bulldogs 22, Dragons 12. Interesting Kyle Flanagan playing hooker in said match there. Uh, looking at stars through those games, I touched on a couple of them already. Uh, Xavier Savage was great for the uh, Canberra side in their matchup today uh, on Saturday. Ravi picked up a try, ran for a truckload of meters. Does Trey Mooney? He had 37 tackles in that game as a middle forward, as well as running for 180 meters. Hohepapuru was great, as was Atta Mariota. For the Rabbitohs, Blake Taff was great. Isaac Thompson picked up a try in his return match from injury. Daniel Saluka for theatre ran for 14 metres shy of 200 in a good display. 
Elsewhere, Talos Duncan keeps pushing for a first grade spot, while Liam Knight made a triumphant return from injury with 12 carries from 151 metres, 57 post contacts, 17 tackles, no misses. However, he did have the two handling errors in that 22-16 loss. Parramatta in their 44-10 win, the stars of the show. Uh, Many Luke made 34 tackles. Jack Murchie ran for 139 metres. Uh, Matt Dury got through a truckload of work, as did Andrew Dave in his first official match for the Parramatta Reels New South Wales Cup side after gaining an early release. Dejan Arce picking up free try assists and free line break assists in another outstanding game. For the Knights, they really hit hard in this competition. Uh, the only real guys to stand out were Adam Clune and Simi Sasangi. Jack John stood out as far as tackling. He made 47. In the Jets-Bears game, uh, Jaden Beryl, top tackler with 30, 43 for the Jets. Jake Turpin, 34. Kala ran for 184 metres. Junior Pauga ran for 243 for the Bears and keeps pushing for a first-grade spot. Other stars to shine for the Bears side. I keep hearing Jets fans bang on about Daniel Atkinson. He was great in the middle part of the field. Uh, elsewhere for the Bears, Billy Smith now. All of a sudden, Thermos is a first-grade smoky with the injury to Paul Mombrowski. And if Joey Manu is going to stay in reserve uh, sorry, not Joey Manu. If Sam Walker is going to stay in reserve grade, then we might go with that option. Uh, Terrell May was also huge in the Bears lineup, 128 meters of 14 carries of the football so good signs there for one of the roosters reserve grade sides for the panthers there was a bit of chopping and changing this week a lot of guys were rumored to be getting dropped and a couple of guys were meant to be playing um nrl but that didn't eventuate just a bit of mind games from coach ivan uh tom jenkins is great isaiah longy keeps pushing if dylan edwards ever gets a chance at first grade he had 198 meters uh jack cole was okay wasn't good wasn't great. He was good. Uh, Jesse McLean's another one that could keep pushing for a first grade spot. As far as the forwards, Eddie Blacker really the pick of the bunch, along with Mav Guyer. Kurt Forbes was okay as a utility role off the bench. Uh, for Wests, uh, Dane Laurie was the star at fullback, along with uh, Will Smith. He was good at 5'8 and halfback. Um, Alex Safar, huge in the forward rotation, as was Jack Boiling. Uh, for the Warriors, they were a bit depleted, but the star of the show there was Ali Leia He was huge. Uh, 184 metres. He was the real pick of the bunch. And out wide. In the middle, Nicholas Halafilo was good. Patrika Vaivai even better. So some good signs there. Uh, for the Roosters, New South Wales Cup side, Sam Walker only played 33 minutes. Uh, so that's why the numbers look a little bit off for him. Uh, he was 18th man for NRL, plus I think he had a HIA. However, he had two try assists, uh, two line break assists, a line break of his own. He was very involved in the time he was on the field, made seven tackles, no misses. Uh, elsewhere, other players to shine, I think Nafu, who White speaks for himself, 38 tackles, 214 metres. You've got to pick the bloke, Robbo. I keep saying it every week. I love him to death. And I really think he should be in the side more consistently. Other guys to shine, Elza Kim, Siwa Wong, uh, Dylan Napa and Nathan Brown, again running over 100 metres, so some good signs there from them. Uh, Bulldogs and Dragons, real quick. Uh, some players to shine here. The stats haven't been done yet, but uh, Blake Wilson is always good. Kyle Flanagan was playing at hooker, as I mentioned. 
Uh, for the Dragons, Jaden Sullivan. A lot of people saying he should be in the halves. Uh, keep an eye out for Viliami Fafita. He might get a chance in the coming weeks. Looking at the KOE New South Wales Cup ladder at the conclusion of this round of Rugby League. Uh, we have the ladder complete. Yes, we do. The Warriors, Bulldogs and Bears on top of the ladder. They're on 14 points. Then it's the Jets, Magpies, Raiders, Panthers, Eels, Dragons, Blacktown, Workers, Seagulls, Roosters, Rabbitohs and Knights. Queensland Cup results here now. And it is uh, Hunters 18, Cutters 10. Uh, Magpies 30, Blackhawks 4, Dolphins 32, Falcons 18, Clydesdales 46, Jets 10, uh, Devils 48, Pride nil, Capras 22, Winner Manly 16, and Bears 20, uh, East Tigers 16. Stars for the PNG Hunters, oh, their stats aren't in yet, but still Roderick Tyres looking a good prospect in the train and trial contract situation. Uh, for the Cutters... They're not really an NRL-affiliated side, so it is hard to gauge. Uh, for the Brisbane Magpies, uh, again, Blake Moser looks sharp out of dummy half. Uh, Logan Brayless brown looks like a really good talent through the middle third of the field. For the Broncos, played for Scotland in this year's World Cup. Ethan Kyle Ward, again, looks like a talent in the middle of the field. For the Blackhawks, uh, really eyes on Ben Hampton. He was playing in 5-8. Today, oh sorry, yesterday in the cup game, he'll probably get called upon to play first grade next week. Maybe Riley Price, Jake Burke might be even get considered as well. Uh, for the Clydesdales and the Jets, uh, again, no real affiliated players here. Mitch, Mitchell Watson picking up five tries in the 46-10 victory. Drew a massive display from him. Uh, Darren Schoening, a former NRL player, was great through the middle third of the field. He was absolutely outstanding. Uh, for the Jets, no one really stood out. That Grinky ran for over 110 metres, but that was it. Uh, Devils, Brandon Piakura picking up a try. Liam Horn getting a hat-trick in this one. And again, no real team stats are in. For the Northern Pride, they didn't score a point, and I don't have any stats, so it is really hard to judge for that one. Uh, for the Dolphins, the Falcons game, uh, my eyes are peeled on a couple of players here. Uh, one is Valens Tefade on the edge, 11 carries, 140 metres. The other one's Mason Teague, uh, 14 carries, 121 metres, made all of his tackles. Uh, he could be back in the NRL side soon with the way that the Dolphins have been playing. For the Falcons, Sofar Longo is my man to watch, 15 carries, 130 metres. He is looking really good. Uh, through the middle, Tepai Moilawa could be pushing for an NRL berth if the rest of the guys keep failing in first grade. Uh, Jack Howarth, good through the middle too for the Falcons. He's the man that we all keep hearing about. Could be getting a start sooner rather than later. We just don't know. Uh, for the Capras, I think Bailey Butler was one of their best players today, along with Anthony Milford. Uh, for the winner Manly side, I like Dean Mariner. He's pushing for a first grade spot every week. We just got to see it consistently. For Burley, uh, Keanu Keeney at the back was great. 213 metres, really solid prospect for him. Kemamalo too, got a lot of work done in yardage. Thomas McKayley too, awesome for them. For the Brisbane Tigers, Joe Chan was where my eyes were peeled, playing the full game. Only six carries of the football though, so that needs to pick up immensely for them. Jonah Pazette played. 
He had 14 carries, 105 metres, did majority of the kicking in a narrow four-point loss. Looking at that ladder in the QRL Host Plus Cup, uh, Capras are still unbeaten on 14 points. Then it's the uh, Burley, Sunshine Coast, uh, South Slogan, Brisbane Tigers, Winner Manly, Tweed, Dolphins, Pride Hunters, Devils, Clydesdales, Blackhawks. Then it's the Cutters and the Jets on the bottom. So that will be very interesting there. So, now it's time to have a look at Supercoach. Reese has sent me his bullet points in. So, we'll start with cheesing for the W because that's my team. This week, we had 1,043. And considering that this week was an absolute train wreck for Supercoach watchers, I will take that. We were dumped by a Melbourne bye week, Payne Haas' suspension, Max King getting hurt, my team was decimated. Um, Reese has said he got 1,015. So, bragging rights? All mine. He says, despite having Munster, Grant, Haas, Walsh, Cooter, and Sloan, he'll take that every day of the week. So, looking at the rest of the results from Supercoach in our league, Savo Shire, Dan, 1099, defeating Mother of an Effort, Michael, uh, 1053. Uh, Marble Marathon's Luke, 844, defeating... Clear overrated hucks, 5-4-3. Elsewhere, uh, Alpha Justice Anthony, 10-75, defeated Walken the Park B Parker Maxim, 9-8-1. Head coach Pete, 10-17, defeating our Lolsters, 10-50. Our top scorer of the week is Fink Stand 3 updates. Wolkanya Bulls Mick, 12-76, defeating Cody's Gone Walkabout Jacob, 11-92. Uh, two page Reese 1017 defeating DC Easy Dorian 918. Uh, Nick Eco Hines Bryson 1255 defeated Iron Will 941. Rob Harris's Jared 1134 defeating CWFC Haley 1104. Uh, East Beats and 11 Sean 1081 defeating Cheesy Reader W AJ 1043. And Dylan's 13 Dylan 993 defeating Smoking Billy's Billy 959. So that is your look at Supercoach. Uh, for my trades, I'm thinking of getting rid of Reese Walsh. And then I'll downgrade to Jareem Buller, just purely because that way I can make a bit of coin and then I can upgrade elsewhere. Uh, Sonny Luke is a problem as my backup hooker, as we discovered this week. Forward depth I'm happy with, even though I made the um, dumbass mistake of playing... Mawali over Kepi. I'll still make coin off both of them. That way I might be able to upgrade a guy like Joshy Schuster. Um, my back rowers, all bar Zach Hosking made profit. Everyone on my team, besides uh, my starting CT dubs and Walsh made coin. So I'm really happy with that this week. And we'll just see where we go. Lock out the week time! Boom, boom, Lockout of the Week this week. Wow, we actually had some interesting choices this week for Lockout of the Week. So I'm going to be nice and simple. I'm going to play straight back and go with Paul Kent. Now, Kenty decided to launch a full-blown temper tantrum on NRL 360 this week. Um, so because Jack One left... 
He decides to launch a full blown temper tantrum about how the salary cap isn't fair, accuse the of cheating, which you're probably thinking, AJ, you'd love to accuse the of cheating the salary cap. You go for the roosters. Yes, but at the same time, stick in your own lane, Kenty, with facts you know. Uh, he also had to make an on air apology about linking them to No Limit Boxing. No doubt, because No Limit's lawyers quickly got on the phone to uh, Steve Crawley at Fox Sports and said, Yeah, mate, we're going to pull that uh, exclusive offer if uh, we don't get that apology done. And I guarantee you, Crawl shat himself when he heard that. I was like, Kenty, you fucking apologize. And we all know Kenty doesn't like the word no. So, let's have a look at Reese's Lol Cow this week. Excuse me. Reese has decided to go with Yuki Sonoda. For crashing his car in the same spot twice in Azerbaijan. And knowing Azerbaijan, it was probably the castle. <laughs> so that'll do it for this week's installment of the league scene. Again, apologies with the massive stuff ups as far as tech problems in recent weeks. We'll try and rectify that in the future. But on behalf of Reese and myself, we'll bid you farewell for now and catch you next week as we head to Magic Round. Take care, everybody.